and welcome to episode 97 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world and fandom of Avatar. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And today we are continuing our discussion of The Dawning Ancient by FCE, with chapters 29 through 32. In this episode, you can obviously expect full spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, The Legend of Korra, as well as potential spoilers for both Kiyoshi novels. Before we get into that discussion, Kayla, how are we doing this week? What's going on? Uh, well, we just celebrated Halloween as of this recording. It was on Monday. We recorded this on a Friday. And I mean, wow. I mean, I don't know why every year I get really surprised when the transition from Halloween to Christmas goes like that. But here I am again in the exact same position of being like, huh. Um, I mean, hey, I, I like I love Christmas. Don't get me wrong. But I think I've just been so entrenched in Halloween mode for the last month that I've just kind of been like seeing Christmas stuff. They literally put Christmas stuff up the day before Halloween where I live now. Like they had like a Christmas tree up before Halloween even happened. Yeah, that's been I don't know about here. It's that's been pretty normal for the past couple of years. I mean, I had a hard time. I went to Target for some small Halloween decorations about halfway through October and I couldn't I couldn't find any like. Like, you know, that that front section of Target, that's like the one dollar, five dollar. They already had all the the Christmas stuff out. And the only decorations I could get was like at the back of the store. That's like you can't get anything cheaper than like fifteen dollars. But yeah, that's I did see a TikTok, though, that was like for all the people who are mad that we're celebrating Christmas on November 1st. Do you want us to celebrate Thanksgiving by putting up inflatables of pilgrims in our yard? Like, what do you want us to do? (laughs) And I just thought that was funny. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. A lot of these people who are hardcore Christmas enthusiasts are getting annoyed at Halloween people for celebrating on September 1st. So, you know, let me be better for a second. I feel like I no, I feel like that that's the same crowd of people that are that. Well, no, because. I, I feel know. well. He's like maybe it's just my little bubble of the universe here, mm-hmm. but I remember someone said Halloween is not until October. Why are you putting up your decorations now? It's Labor Day weekend, um, and so and then these are the same people who will turn around and be like, "I am so excited to get that Christmas tree up. Like Halloween's over. Let's get the Christmas stuff up. Like at least it's what I'm seeing on Facebook. So that's just my personal experience. But I don't know. It's. <laughs> I probably will get more into Christmassy spirit later. I think I just need to get off the Halloween high from, especially from doing Rocky all month. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess maybe it was just being more of an Ebenezer Scrooge at this time, but also like, it's kind of hard for me to get into the spirit of, you know, into like the excitement for Christmas and winter and all that stuff. When like, it's barely been fall. It was 75 degrees outside this afternoon. Well, I think I think not to get whatever about it, but I think the reason people are so like they love the holidays at the end of the year is because um, we've lost the the markers that make the other seasons earlier in the year because of like global warming and stuff. And um, I think there's also obvious like a nostalgia factor thing. And, you know, the like millennials and like early Gen Z or late Gen Z, I guess we, we would technically be late Gen Z. Um, we're so in the point of our lives where, where we're both very nostalgic and like mourning our childhood in a way. So we're like trying to like recreate the happy moments because the world is so fucking terrible all the time. 
um and like you know we don't we don't have seasons really anymore and the summers are too hot and the winters are too cold and it's like these couple of months in between where like it might not be fall weather but like it's temperate and it's like yeah. you know not crazy so i don't know there's Good probably point. like a whole like sociological but for me it's just i if I had my way in this apartment, I, it it would be Christmas already up in here. But Chris and Sphere are making me wait till after Thanksgiving. So okay, I think I, that I think I think my irritation lies not with the people who are very excited about Christmas right now and are mm-hmm. decorating their homes. I think I'm more angry at the stores. Oh. That's who I'm angry at. <laughs> well, it makes sense. It's the holidays are just all about you know consumerism, basically. Yeah. You so know? I think I think I'm more so angry at like the corporations and the uh, you know the stores and stuff. And yeah, I mean, I was in Bath and Body Works today, and like they were playing like case like something from the Casey Musgraves Christmas special, like mm-hmm. like not just like you know just nice generic wintry stuff. Like no, they are in you know the cl- playing like they were playing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas or something, and mm-hmm. like. You know, I feel bad for the workers. That's why I got so angry about it. I'm yeah. like, these poor people are going to be so sick of it. Yeah, <laughs> you're looking at it from a, a retail worker perspective. Yeah, yeah. I just hope that, you know, the place that I work at right now doesn't immediately jump into Mariah Carey because I... Mm, mm, <laughs> yeah. they're, already, they're already kind of annoyed at me right now for already... I got called off back in October for the weekend of Black Friday. even, And I just found out this week that it's mandatory too late i already scheduled off for it yeah. um and oh and i'm missing like a they, they should, honestly if it was that dang important to, to make this holiday meeting or whatever that's mm-hmm. supposed to be next weekend um uh, if it was that damn important you should have told me when you hired me so i can mark that on my calendar yeah anyway sorry Love turned that. to a rant all of a sudden but <laughs> <laughs> this i will say i think now that like working in retail has really gave me a new fresh perspective on the holidays <laughs> yeah it makes sense it makes but, sense but you know but my message is decorate your house all Christmassy, listen to Christmas music, you do you, boo. I'm just angry at the stores, <laughs> you know? Period, period. <laughs> do what makes you happy. Find joy. That's it. Um, I'm coming off of having the flu. Yeah. I don't know if you can probably tell it in my voice. Um, mm. Not fun. Um, it's mm. been been getting dubbed the Halloween flu because it has been going around like crazy. Really? Yes, absolutely. Like, um, I like have seen so many TikToks of like people waking up on like November second or something and being like, "Oh, my throat feels a little funny. What's going on?" And then like smash cuts to them like absolutely being like stricken Wrecked. down in fever. Like it's it was crazy. It was not fun. Um, Doesn't sound it. No, I. And this is it's so weird when you you're a freelancer because it's not as like simple as like not working sometimes because I feel like like some people say that I like I work for myself but at the same time I kind of don't because I I work with people and they have specific deadlines and I can't really like chance it by saying I can't get this out today because I'm sick because you know every you know client counts and maybe some of them will probably be like oh then he's unreliable right so i like i had to like balance like getting my rest but also like forcing myself to get like the bare minimum stuff done i pushed back what i could to uh, to the people that i knew would be okay with it the people i've been working like for a long time with but like this new uh client that i'm working with they're like a big 
podcast production company and they have very specific deadlines for things like it's on like a trello board and everything and i was i was not about to be like i can't get this because the the show has to go out i'm not the only one who is like you know helping it go out so it's like it was very stressful so i mean i took i took off the time when i can but i was just sitting there being like it's interesting that I wanted to do freelancing because I didn't want to go to a nine to five, but I still have the problem of, you know, not being able to think, take the time off that I want to, you know? So I don't know. I'm both blessed and to have all, all like the work that I have at the same time. I just, I hate this capitalism hell state that we live in. Um, like today, both of our, our annoyances today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like just now I, I was just editing like a, like a two hour long podcast that just got sent to me at like, 4 30 today because it pays well and i needed it uh to get it done by this weekend so i could get paid for it because i have a bill coming up like love it love Mm. capitalism yes love it anyway enough woe is me (laughs) we have no news to get into um so do you want to just go right into our main discussion kayla let's do it all right let's do it stuff happened like lots of stuff happened. Stuff did happen. <laughs> Do you want to start with your points, and I'll just yeah. kind of chime in? Yeah, I mean, just like I like point out some small details and stuff. I thought it was really cool how they how it was described that like you know, um, like Yang Chen and her Bison's like relationship and the way that like you know they kind of take turns sleeping and stuff while they're taking making this long journey and they're. I don't know. It was just cool to kind of see another way of like the bond that an avatar has with their you know, spirit guide. So, yeah, I love that. It did say at one point, though, and this is a very like small nitpick. It did say at one point where um, they were taking turns resting and apparently and I don't know if this is like just an inconsistency or only some bison can do this. Apparently, New Gen is such a good bison that they can sleep, but also still remain floating. Um, and I just remembered that one episode of Avatar in the, the chase, chase where Appa falls asleep and falls asleep and everyone like starts falling. So I don't know if that if that's just some things bisons are like, you know can do or not do or if it's an inconsistency but i i just i love the idea of like a bison sleeping and it's just like floating in the air i think that's so cute be so cute i mean maybe like i guess maybe an avid you know in yang chen's case because she was around the other you know the air nomad culture was still alive and well Mm -hmm. you know um maybe there's like some trainings that the bison go through to be able to you know float while they're asleep maybe i I also wonder if it there have been like a lot of hints that the link between um a bison and an air nomad is like psychic almost and i'll 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 put it to you this way so in um house of the dragon right the dragons and the dragon riders stay with me kayla stay with me (laughs) they've got They've got like a psychic link between them where they they feel the emotions of each other. Like the if the human is going through something, the dragon will also feel it. If the the human has certain characteristics in their personality, the dragon will also mirror that. That's how they bond. I'm wondering if it's something similar like this, where it says multiple times throughout the book that Yang Chen pretty much just doesn't sleep ever um, because she's just learned to not just even trust the people around her while she's sleeping so i wonder if like new gen has picked up on that that i have to figure out 
you know, way to sleep while also making sure that Yang Chen gets to where she needs to go. I don't know. I wonder, I just wonder if it's like a much deeper connection that we've been led to believe. Again, this is a very small thing that we might be blowing out of proportion, but I don't think, honestly, I don't think it's really blowing out of proportion. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, it doesn't seem that far fetched to me. That's it. I don't have anything to like prove what you just said. It's kind of just sounds right. Sounds good to me. <laughs> um, and so then we get a flashback to what happened to Jetson. Uh, and you know, I I do like seeing like the you know like every time that I read you know Avatar book, it's you know it's cool to see other things in the show being reflected in the story. Like, for instance, the continuation of the spirit world reflecting the Avatar's emotional state when, you know, Yang Chen, um, you know, gets triggered by, I think it was like, what, like, as I said, like, I think some, was it a bridge or something in the spirit world? I was a little confused, but she gets like a trigger during one of the parts and that ends up like turning the spirit world around. Kind of yeah, similar to how. Yeah, something like that. Somehow similar to how Korra, you know, we see baby Korra in the spirit world and mm-hmm. she gets angry and like, you know, the spirits turn from like friendly to more threatening because of that change. Um, so that was cool to see again. Um, and just, you know, I just, I, I just like these little threads that just show this is a whole one big universe. Uh, yeah. Makes me happy. Um, and then basically we also get to see what happens if Janora wasn't able to make it back to her body because we see, finally find out what happened to Jetsu and how she died or basically, is yeah. she dead? Really? Her body's definitely dead. Yeah, I think, I th- yeah, her body's definitely died. It made it, I think FCE was was very heavily hinting that Jetsun may be living in the spirit world the same way that Iroh was living in the spirit world. I know it's, it's a different scenario because apparently Iroh chose to leave his physical body. And, and they do mention that again. They do, they do. And, um, and that was not the case for Jetsun. Um, but I think because that was such a big moment in Korra, I think FC is like counting on us to probably make that connection. Um, but I mean, let's talk about what this actually means for the story. Um, cause again, because I don't feel like this is Yang Chen's story. Um, it, I think this whole chapter was, is supposed to be like a reveal. I mean, I guess I did have a question of, what happened to Jetsun, but it wasn't the burning question. It wasn't there's what a is million unanimity. There's a million different burning questions here. <laughs> yeah, and this necessarily wasn't one of them. Like, and this feels because it's like an eleven o'clock moment, like right before the climax of the book, or so I think it is. Um, it feels like this reveal is supposed to have major Im- implications for how the rest of the story is going to go. Um, but we only have like what four chapters left? Eight? I think I think we have eight chapters left. Um, but it, it honestly it just feels more like a it was written to justify the side quest Yang Chen took to my Inca. But even then, it doesn't really do that. Um, Cause I don't know. I I just I like the Kalyan thing. I don't feel like the Jetsun thing was a through line through the story. It was something that was mentioned in the beginning something in the middle and then near the end, but it didn't feel like a through line of emotion or, or just something that I could follow. So I get, I mean, I guess it's nice to know what happened to her. Mm -hmm. Um, But, 
And we don't really get a sense if Ying Chen blames herself for what happened. Um, you know, knowing past Avatar stories and how the Avatars like feel about that stuff, they she probably does have some guilt about that. Um, but from what we can tell, I mean, it, it kind of comes out when she's talking later on to this woman uh, in the tavern, but not necessarily related to Jetson. So I don't know. Again, just feeling very wishy-washy about it. It was it was nice to know what happened. I'm just questioning like, okay, but like why why now? And like what's the function of this moving forward? So mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say the same. I yeah. also did kind of get an answer to like what happened to her with the vision in the side quest, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh we already kind of theorized that she was probably in the spirit world in the fog of lost souls, but yeah. it doesn't quite feel as like powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I find that's kind of a common thing with this book is that there's some cool things brought up mm-hmm. as good answers for some things, but mm-hmm. it just, it needed more behind it to make it as impactful and as interesting as it could be, you know? Right. And again, I mean, like, I, I would think I would be more, well, I was going to say, I would think I'd be more invested because this is Yang Chen, a character that has been mentioned uh, quite a few times. But it's not even the fact that we know about her. It's just the fact that, again, I don't feel like enough seeds were planted about her relationship with Jetsun. We know about the relationship. We kind of know how Yang Chen feels about it, but it doesn't really seem to play into most of what goes into the story or just kind of how Ying Chen behaves, you know? Um, if maybe if the Jetson thing was tied to the reason why she's so paranoid and, um, you know, sp- spying on everything, then maybe I would kind of feel it more. But again, it's just, yeah, it, it, it was a reveal. It, <laughs> that's how I feel about it. Um, I also gotta say the, uh, the chapter after this, um, this little action sequence uh, before she goes into that tavern. Um, did it feel a little unnecessary to you? Yeah, I was kind of just like, okay, things are happening. Now what? <laughs> I mean, again, this, the, it might come up. The, the four guys might end up playing a role. Don't know. But I have said that a couple of times in the past couple of episodes. And it hasn't. The, those things haven't been implemented again so i don't have a lot of faith that it will but it it did kind of feel like oh yeah this is after story let's put some bending in it you know that's how i that's my honest feeling um but let's turn it around and talk about the white lotus reveal that Um, took me by surprise that did take me by surprise and it's i i look at this fondly because i remember when we were reading the kiyoshi novels um we there were very um subtle hints about the white lotus in kiyoshi's time and we had theorized oh this is kind of like the beginnings of the white lotus but it turns out it's been around for way longer than we thought it would be um and yeah. probably way even before ying chen at this point i was point. gonna say they're very well organized and the fact that she has past lives that know like passwords and stuff to get in to yeah. you know like that's definitely dead giveaway that they have been around for some time like multiple lifetimes yes yeah. yeah i love it um before we get more into the white lotus why don't we take a break here and we will come back and continue talking about this actually really good reveal so stay tuned hey everyone kayla here 
Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check and make sure you're following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider it leaving us a review and maybe some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and to help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. All right. And we're back with more of our discussion of the Donna Yang Chen picking up where we left off. The White Lotus. They've been around for way longer than we theorized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> I, I also love that that yeah, that Yang Chen and her past lives remember the combination of all the moves and everything. Um, and it was kind of cool to like it kind of works like chess, but not really. It's got this whole different system to it. And I did wonder reading it, I I was wondering, like, you know, one, did did FCE like actually sit down in front of a pie show board? Is there actual rules like real world pie show boards that he or is he just like making all this stuff up but i mean it's bad it's bound to happen like they've got to make pie show like a real thing at this point you know um i thought that was i thought that was really cool um absolutely a little out, out of nowhere yes but also it did come out of nowhere in the original series so i i can't i can't blame you it fits <laughs> it fits it fits for sure a pleasant surprise to be, but be sure, but a welcome. Yes, yes. Um, and then uh, Yang Chen meets with this woman called Mama, and this is Mama Unirac, right? I very much believe that. Like ninety nine percent sure. Yeah, like because I know we've been saying they keep mentioning her. They keep mentioning her. Why do they keep mentioning her? And I think I don't know. It's it's interesting that they have similar names. I think I think it is the same person. Coincidence? Um, I think not. Yeah, that's what's happening um, right now. Do you want to talk to talk about you know what Mama talks to Yang Chen about? Because I think I think this whole exchange is really interesting. For sure, probably one of the most interesting parts we had in the book, honestly. Yeah. Um, but she has a line where she tells to Yang Chen that the paths of the White Lotus and the Avatar normally only intertwine during moments of generational import. Mm. So. And also, she kind of says, like, oh, well, I, we're, you know, then we definitely probably shouldn't have told your past lives how to get in. <laughs> You're still going to remember it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, this is interesting because this is kind of like the Wakanda effect. Like, you know, this powerful organization that knows what's going on but decides not to do anything about it. And Yang Chen even questions, like, who decides like when it's in, when something's important enough you know and it's it gets into that you know philosophical question like if you can do something should you do something um but yeah i i'm kind of on her side of that because who does decide when it's important i mean i guess you could objectively say something like sozin's comet is objectively of generational import um, I would imagine unanimity might also fall into this category if we're led to believe that it's on the same scale. Mm-hmm. But, and she said she is here because of some reports of spiritual disturbances, which we will talk about later. Um, but it's more what Mama says to her about not using her gifts um, with her connection to her past lives. Do you want to read um, this quote from the book? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I'll put a pin into the implications of her knowing exactly what those gifts are. Um, but she she says, like, well, you should have used your past lives. You've learned all these things from them. Like, we have all the, you have the taps, you know, you've tapped into, like, thousands of years worth of knowledge. Like, why aren't you using it? And she then tells Mama their lives are full of regret. 
lost chances to make the world a better place. To me, that's what sticks out sharpest in their memories. The regrets over the times they did nothing. I have felt the shame of avatars gone by, lived through failures not recorded in history, and I can tell you with absolute certainty not a single one of my past selves that I've connected with wishes they waited longer to solve a problem. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, big character moment right here. Um, Should I get into what my my note is under it? Yes. I, it's a common thing with this book that I, where was this earlier? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I'm trying not to get annoyed too much, but I am. It's too mm-hmm. late. It's happened. I mean, the concept of someone constantly having to relive their past lives, mistakes, traumas, joys, fears, it's just so fascinating. And like, you know, there's not a lot of like stories out there that have that kind of, you know, plot thread. So it's, you know, a new-ish concept. And it's just not enough has been done with it in this book. And I want to feel this regret that she's feeling right now. It's just Mm. not as strong of a character moment as I want it to be. You know, it's just like, where was this sooner? Like, so this, for clarification, uh, when you say where was this earlier in the book, you're talking about the the past life thing, past life yeah. thing, not exactly this revelation that all yeah. she's learned from them is that it, it there's just lives full of regret. Is yeah. that what you're saying? That's exactly what I mean. Okay. Okay. Like I yeah. want I want to see her reach this kind of conclusion a little bit more, you know? Right, right. And I mean again, here's the thing. There have been a couple of piecemeal moments where a character will question what Ying Chen is doing. Even us at some point or another has questioned why is Ying Chen doing this? Um, but again, it doesn't feel like I, I can, I'm not expecting her to use it as like a superpower. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I think the, the idea of, of someone having, all this knowledge and living with all this regret is so fascinating to me. And I think for the, for the book's credit, I think there have been moments where we do see Yang Chen not emotionally being able to handle some things. And I think Mm -hmm. it's because that is weighing on her because whether she is subconscious of it or not, I think when she hears about all the regret, the past avatars have i think she's she's taken a little bit of that onto herself to make sure that she doesn't leave this world with any regret which is an unrealistic expectation yes yeah, and an unattainable goal <laughs> right right and i do i do think yang chen sees herself a little bit larger than life to a fault um but i'm right there with you i I think this this was something this was a theme that needed to be more present throughout the novel because again there's a lot of character moments here lots of revelations but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's you know it doesn't feel satisfying. like it's having yeah it doesn't feel like it's having the impact that it's trying to make or it should make right yeah. like these are these are big moments but it's not it's not really they going anywhere yeah they don't so I don't know and then we could talk about this bombshell um, that we, that Yang Chen learns where apparently her, her life has never been free of, of spies, even as a child. Yeah. Um, because her being able to connect with her past lives is not common knowledge. So yeah, she's been spied on since she was little. Yeah. Her entire life. 
Um, because the White Lotus had uh, a spy at the Western Air Temple. And that also makes me think, like, oh, was there a, um, well, I was going to say, was there a White Lotus member in, like, Chorus Camp? But I forgot they were, like, a whole, like, military at that point. Um, but, yeah, I I think this is really interesting because the theme of, like, espionage, right, has been, like, this cool superpower that Yang Chin has. But it's actually just completely... Um, crumbled the authenticity of her life really and i think the the emotion she feels is kind of her understanding the implication of that also of what she's done to other people of having spies in people's lives without them knowing it and i think she feels a certain way about that and it's it's just this really interesting thing that i i do feel like is earned because this this her her you know, proclivity for the espionage and the paranoia has been a theme that has been constant throughout. So it makes sense what's happening here. Um, it's her, it's basically her own worst fears, you know? Right. She's like, and she says, like, that's my home. You exactly. Know? And you feel for her in that moment because it must be terrible to find out that even before you were confirmed as Avatar, you had people around you, um, you know, reporting your your every every word. And I think because... I think she's also frustrated because she can't, she couldn't have controlled that, you know, and she has a, she has a problem with needing to control everything. And I think that is what makes her feel powerless, you know, Mm -hmm. like being spied on and not knowing about it, I think is like one of the big things that makes her powerless. Um, But yeah, it's just really interesting. But um, going back to, if we're looking at everything on a big scope, right. I had this revelation reading this book Um, because at this point they start trading information about unanimity and mama is there for spiritual disturbances. And so Ying Chen kind of fills in the gaps. So it's looking like this is some spirit world, you know, shenanigans. Right. So, and they, and then they go out to like this field um, where basically the super powerful weapon is basically it needs like a target range of some kind. Um, and while I, I was really excited reading this and like, you know, um, getting closer and closer to finding out what unanimity is, it also just highlighted a really important thing in that I think the reason why I, I have I'm having a hard time emotionally investing in Yang Chen and Kalyan is because they don't share the same goal. Hey everyone, this is Andre from the future. Um, I need to make a correction here because I did use the wrong character's name for basically the next one or two minutes or so. I meant to say Kavik and not Kalyan. So apologies here. Let's go back to the show. Yang Chen wants to stop unanimity and keep the world in balance. Kalyan wants to stop unanimity so he can get his family out. And there's nothing wrong with with having, like, midway goals, you know? But Kalyan is not necessarily helping Yang Chen for, like, the betterment of the world. That's not my reading of it. He's doing whatever he can to, um, like, free his family, get them out of Bin Air. That's completely fine. But 
then you run the risk of what is exactly happening in this book and feeling like there's two books in one because you have two main characters with two different goals and then that means they have two different motivations so i that is why i have had have had a hard time emotionally investing because i cannot handle two novels in one i can barely handle the one so and again that might be a me problem but that is something that I had a little bit of a, relation, a revelation of, of like, not only is the unanimity thing more interesting than Kavik's like calling on brother line uh, arc or whatever. Um, it's because it's, it's while there might be some commonalities in where Yang Shen and Kavik will end up, they're there for two different reasons. And then I look back at all the avatar stuff, team, team avatar, always had one goal and it was to defeat the fire lord you know Korra mm -hmm. and the gang always had one goal take down amon take down Udalak. you know they always had one goal even kiyoshi kiyoshi and rongi two characters right that i feel like were were treated as just as important even though rongi was technically a supporting character sure they both had the same goal and i was able to emotionally invest myself into both because that because of the fact that they share motivations and that creates an emotional bond and because there is not that in this book i feel like that's where it almost literally starts to fall apart because there's nothing to bond the two stories that are happening and i think because there's looking over the whole thing there's there's so little chapters where yingshin and kavak are actually doing things together you know, there are a couple of chapters here and there, but for the most part, and it's because, I don't know if it's because of how we structure our episodes, we do four chapters at a time, but it's literally four chapters Kavik, four chapters Ying Chen, maybe two or three together, and then they're back to going off to doing separate things. Yeah. And I think it just feels so all over the place, and I think that's the lack of having one goal is, um, at the end of the day, damaging. Yeah. I I got nothing else to add to that. You pretty much made my point that I didn't even know that I had. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's I I hate to get to get on every week and and I'm not I don't feel like we're saying the thing same oh my god. I don't feel like we're saying the same negative things over and over again. I did like certain aspects of this chapter and I do like certain aspects of this book. Um but I don't know. We've also never been in a situation where we're not like fully on board with like an avatar thing. So um, it makes me think of like, you know, whatever Avatar Studios puts out in the future, you can expect a, a very honest and balanced, you know, I guess, take on it <laughs> if this if this recap of the novel has proven anything otherwise. So but I do I do feel like the last chapter sets up things quite nicely. I d there is a, a very appropriate sense of foreboding um and i am excited to actually read the next chapters so that's good yes they definitely like it feels like something's definitely it's hurtling now it's starting to like feel like it's coming together a little bit more, yeah yeah sense. hurtling towards the end yes yeah but um but yeah i think that's that's it for our discussion did you have any last thoughts kayla nothing i can think of but yeah, I think 
that's it for this week, for at least what I have to say. <laughs> All right. Should we get into uh, Fandom Corner? Yeah, absolutely. So this is, again, like everything else we do on Fandom Corner, is from Tumblr. Uh, however, this one particular Tumblr has, uh, it's just literally spelled, it's literally at La Culture. Go follow them on t- on Tumblr because I'm said TikTok. It's not, I don't think they're on TikTok. Um, follow them on Tumblr because, uh, is someone even on Tumblr anymore besides me? It's just me screeching into the void, probably. Just you. Yeah. Just me. Uh, <laughs> but this one particular blog that occasionally shows up on my feed because they just have a lot of cool shit to say. Deeps is it's exactly what it sounds like. They dive into the culture and the influences of different aspects of Avatar. So they talked, this is going to be like, I'm going to try to like kind of skim through it. We'll have the link in our show notes and stuff um, for those who are on Patreon. And I'm sure we'll share it on our pages too. It's just fucking cool. Um, but basically it talks about, you know, the beliefs in, you know, chi and, you know, the pathways to your body. And I had the picture of the dummy that was used in the Northern Water Tribe. Um, you scroll down further and you learn about... Um, Basically, the influence behind the frog treatment that uh, Sokka and Katara get in season one, um, mm-hmm. where is this thing called like Chinese toad essence, which refers to the practices of using secretions from the skin of these toads for medicinal purposes. Uh, apparently, it helps to relieve pain, strengthen immunity, um, all that good stuff. And it's, yeah, basically take it from a dead toad and you use it in a tea and all that stuff. And then one person just wrote, like, the person wrote for this post said, for obvious reasons, Aang couldn't exactly be showing drying and skinning pond critters to make hot froggy juice. Uh, Can't say how effective sucking on frozen frogs is for curing a cold, but I'm sure someone out there has tried it. (laughs) Uh, Love that. Um, And then it mentions, like, the fire cupping method of, you know, uh, it's basically how like they describe it. Um, it's you know you soak a cotton ball in pure alcohol or almost pure alcohol. You you know put the cotton in like a pair of for- like, you know hold onto it with a pair of forceps, light a match, and stick it into the cup and quickly remove it while the cup is being placed on your skin. Just sucks it's suction cup essentially. It's kind of to help like encourage circulation, all that stuff. Um, I haven't done fire cupping myself, but you know. It's uh, it's different kind of cupping. And of course, acupuncture is referenced as well, which I'm sure at this point, a lot of our listeners know what that entails. Um, but this person also said at the end that in the new future, that they probably make, make a post dealing with other traditional Asian and indigenous medicines that would work well in the Avatar universe and influences and stuff. So I just thought this was a cool thing, especially the toad stuff. <laughs> Did not know that was an actual thing. Yeah, uh, I always I always love seeing like the the real world influences um that sure. Avatar has for sure. But yeah, they have a lot of uh like this blog. This is why people more people should be on Tumblr. It's just great to scream to the void. Um, but like they've reblogged a lot of cool content. It's just basically a really interesting archive of, you know, cultural influences and it's kind of a the more you know sort of blog. Mm. So but that's love kind it. of fandom corner for this week. Is there anything you wanted to add to that, Andre? No, love it. Cool. I, I do want to try. How the fuck do you say this? <laughs> this the chemical that is in these frogs oh. is it? Cino cinobufagin, cinobufagin, cinobufagin. I love saying complicated words and not knowing how they're pronounced. <laughs> That's why I skipped over words in the post because also it's a long ass post it, as well. I like it because it's like a big big middle finger to the. Uh, to George Bush or George W. Bush. 
because he's the reason I had to sit in um, uh, ESL classes until like 10th grade because I wasn't born here. And he had the stupid No Child Left Behind act. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so you know Bufagen. I'm going with that. All right, great. Love that. <laughs> the more you Re- know, I guess. <laughs> Recommendations? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think ours is both very much uh, relevant to the stuff that we discussed in our shoot in the sit- shit section of the podcast. Um, if you want to get discounted Halloween stuff, candy, decor, all that stuff, <laughs> go the day after Halloween. Yeah. Um, yeah, I might have gotten some decent deals and things that I needed for Rocky Horror at Walmart, but that's kind of it. You know, I managed to get like two plates, fourth of the fishnets. People know now. And that's it's it. not a secret anymore. I know, but like do it after. I thought that I had time, but I guess I didn't. Well, you also um, waited a couple days after Halloween. Is that why? Yeah, think? that's why. Yeah. That's why I said the day after. Like, don't just wait till like the weekend after Halloween if it's earlier in the week. Go yeah, the day, day after. Yeah. Um, but also I was like, I had no money uh, the day after Halloween. So, But I got paid today. So that's why I was going on that quest to find shit. And uh, ultimately... I will say very fruitful in regards to Rocky Horror because I will be set with fishnets for at least another year. Nice. Uh, so that's good. At least there's that. But the only really Halloween fun thing I got was two pits, two purple plates that had a cool design that I got for 25 cents total for two plates. There's more. <laughs> if there's any left in the store on Monday, I'll get more. Uh, but anywho, what is your recommendation, Andre? And I could already guess what you were going to say before you even wrote that down. <laughs> get your stupid flu shot. Go and get it. This new flu that's going around is is just, it's not fun. And it's so contagious, you guys. Just please go and get it. It's It'll be worth it. I promise. Um, I already got mine, so I feel pretty superior right now. I'm just kidding. As you should. I had to be I had to be a smug for a second, but I'm pretty sure that was my recommendation when I got that flu shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So listen. you're getting it from two different places. So yeah, you didn't listen to me and now I got the flu. It's your fault. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my recommendation is to listen to Kayla's recommendations. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, uh, if you'd like to stay up to date on what we're doing here at the Avatar Hour podcast, go give us a follow on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour podcast and on Twitter at Avatar Hour as well as Avatar, sorry, the Avatar Hour pod on TikTok. But we haven't updated that in a while because we have been what? Busy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said before, all of our uh, Phantom Corner comes from Tumblr. So like if you want to like contribute to Phantom Corner, we invite it. And in fact, we encourage it. So if you've got any good memes or headcanons or theories or something you saw that was cool from another site that you want to share and give credit with, it's very important, um, send it to us over those DMs uh, of the platforms that I just mentioned or send us an email at theavatarhourpodcast at gmail.com. If we think that it's, um, you know, requires a longer, you know, discussion, we'll put it in a Messenger Hawk mailbag episode. So stay tuned for that. Uh, yeah, that's it on my blurb. <laughs> and if you want some more Avatar Hour in your life, then consider signing up for our Patreon because for as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month, you can access our show notes, our Zoom recordings, ad-free editions of our episodes, and much more. If you sign up for our $5 Acolyte level, you especially gain access to our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. Um, so if you're interested in joining us, uh, head over to head over to patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. 
um but that is it for us you guys um until next time we will see you later my name is andre and i'm kayla bye everyone bye